Hi, I'm Dr. Olga Pinkston, a board-certified rheumatologist and the host of the Mind Your Fiber podcast. This podcast is dedicated to fibromyalgia. I discuss up-to-date information about fibro, its treatment, the biology and psychology of the fibromyalgia. I cover the pain science education, the complementary and alternative methods available to you now to improve your symptoms. There are a lot of things that influence development of fibromyalgia trigger fiber flares, and produce other symptoms like IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, depression, and anxiety, and none of them are your fault. In the Mind Your Fiber podcast, you will learn how and why fiber develops, how chronic pain changes your brain, and most importantly, that you're not alone in the struggle, that fiber is real, and how to not let fiber control your life. This podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. Welcome back to Mind Your Fiber Podcast, episode 26. Today, we continue talking about the trilogy of health, nutrition, sleep, and physical activity. Nutrition, sleep, and exercise are the health foundation everyone needs, not just those with chronic pain, autoimmune conditions, or fibromyalgia. If you have not listened to the prior episodes on nutrition and sleep, please make sure you go back and find those. Today, I'm starting the series of podcast episodes on exercise and physical activity for patients with fibromyalgia and chronic pain. Similarly to the episodes on nutrition and diets, I'm going to explore the why exercise is essential for you and how you can incorporate it successfully into your life. So why do doctors recommend adding physical activity or exercise as a treatment plan for fibromyalgia? Well, according to Nature, a weekly international journal publishing the finest peer-reviewed research in all fields of science and technology, in its latest article on fibromyalgia and exercise from June 20, 2022, I'll put a link to the article in the show notes, This article is a meta-analysis or review of all published studies on fibro and exercise. It excluded the poor quality ones and analyzed 18 solid studies on impact of exercise on fibro symptoms, as well as the type of exercise that showed benefit. So the objective of the study was to summarize through systematic review the available evidence on the effect of aerobic exercise or resistant exercise or stretching exercise on pain, depression, and quality of life in patients with fibromyalgia. So the results of this analysis showed that the exercise, regardless of type, reduced pain, depression, and improved overall quality of life. So if you've been getting conflicting information about what exercise is best, pick what you like and be consistent with it and it will help with fibro symptoms. So I agree with the study. My clinic experience shows similar results. The patients who are successful with managing their fibro symptoms universally credit three things to their success, exercise, sleep, and nutrition. Now, these patients may use different exercise types. One may be yoga, another swimming or walking, etc., but they all move. So if you are working on managing your symptoms better, tune in for the next several episodes and learn how you can incorporate exercise into your daily life. Now, I want to admit, I am not a sporty person. 
I grew up in Soviet Union, and my family never emphasized the importance of physical activity, played sports, or even watched sports. I never played any team sport as a child or adult. But growing up in a large city, in a country where owning a car was a luxury, we were all very physically active by necessity, walking to school and after-school activities, the grocery store, we lived in an apartment building with no elevator, so holding up groceries without an elevator was a norm. Kids played outside, biked, or ran around at the school, and all summer. There was no electronics, and most of the time we watched very little TV. So we were very active without trying. Now, moving to the U.S. when I was 16 years old removed that built-in exercise. We quickly adapted to the American lifestyle, living in a suburban neighborhood, driving to work, school, and grocery store. That coupled with abundant food options, especially sweets, and then my entire family became overweight. So I have battled with weight since my 20s. Like most women, I tried many diets and successfully lost weight just to gain it back. As I learned more about nutrition, metabolism, mindset, and coaching, I moved away from the diet mentality to more mindful and intuitive eating. But the weight is still an issue for me. But learning and practicing healthy eating is easier for me than exercise. I love to cook and feeding my family. Exercise, not so much. I still do not sport. I still lack the motivation to move and use walking primarily as exercise, especially now as we got our dog. Of course, in the house with three teenagers, mom is the one walking the dog, which honestly, I do not mind at all as it gets me moving. And I get to listen to audiobooks and podcasts. It is my favorite part of the day. Kids say that the dog and mom bark less if we both get a walk. I do feel better physically and mentally when I exercise, especially when I do resistance training and weights. So this is a warning that I am not an expert on physical activity, but I exercise enough to know the positive benefits it provides me physically and mentally. I also sympathize with you if you don't feel like moving, because I want to be honest with you, I don't either, but I do it anyway. So I envision several episodes about exercise. Since I'm not an expert, I'm enlisting experts to discuss various physical activities, including physical therapy, yoga, pelvic physical therapy, etc. Like diet, physical activity is not one size fits all solution. What works for some people will not work for all people. Now, in my clinic, patients often talk about why they cannot exercise. It is often due to pain and fatigue. Many also assume that exercise is only needed for weight loss or to maintain the weight, naturally because we are bombarded with messages from doctors and media about diet and exercise. Many patients tell me how they want but cannot lose weight because they cannot exercise. Thus, they're still overweight. It is a frustrating dilemma for many patients, especially for some patients who need to lose weight, for example, to get their knee or hip replacement surgery, and they feel stuck. They can't move because they have pain in their knee or hip, and they say they cannot lose weight because they don't exercise. So I may oversimplify a little, but this will apply to the majority. For your success, I want you to separate these two issues, weight and exercise. I like to keep things simple and avoid allowing our brains to find excuses or self-sabotage. 
So most people did not gain weight because of lack of exercise, but because of overeating. So overeating is weight gain. If you eat when you are not hungry and don't stop when you're already full, you will gain weight. If you answer every food or drink craving, regardless of your hunger, if you stress eat or comfort eat, you and most people will gain weight, even if you exercise. If you're used to exercise and your metabolism and hunger are adjusted to that level of activity, and if you stopped exercising but continue to eat as you are still active, you and most people will likely gain weight. Look at the retired or injured professional or really any athlete who quit the sport but continued eating as if they were spending hours in the gym. It's not because of lack of exercise, it's because they're overeating. Eating more than the body needs for energy. If you eat like you are training to run a marathon, but you do not run a marathon, your body will store that food energy until you do run a marathon. But most likely, most of us will not train or run a marathon. Look how we gain weight on vacations. When we eat way more than we typically eat, but also walk a lot or swim in the ocean. How easy it is to gain weight in Disney World. Sweating in the heat of summer in Florida as you walk 20-30,000 steps in the heat as you eat delicious foods at Epcot and at Mickey Mouse ice cream bar as you wait in line for your ride. So eating when you are hungry and stopping when you're full, not answer food urges, and avoiding processed food is a way to lose or maintain your weight. Now, if you're trying to lose weight and you're already eating when you're hungry, following sensible eating plan and eating healthy foods, adding exercise will help you reach your weight goal faster and it will make you feel better. Physical activity and or exercise. Think of it as a way to maintain your muscle and bone health, improve your endurance, fatigue, strength, and general and mental health. We humans were made for physical activity, to hunt and to gather, not to sit on the couch, munching on snacks and watching TV. There are about 600 muscles in the human body. 600. 600 parts that you need to move. So if we change from a human body to another analogy like a car, it may be easier to visualize. If you have a luxury car, you love it. You saved a lot of money to buy it. And you park it in the garage and don't drive it. Well, after some time, the car's fluids will get all guppy. The resin and plastic will start to be more crumbly. Like the tires will dry up and crumble. The car will squeak more as you drive it. And the steering wheel will be all stiff and hard to turn. The battery will die. And the car overall will not live up to its potential. So like cars, our bodies are meant to move. Or our muscles will get atrophied, our fluids get guppy, our heart or our engine does not accelerate as well, and our nervous system gets dysregulated, and our mental health crumbles. We, like any moving thing, were designed to move. But if you have fibromyalgia, chronic pain, or painful autoimmune condition, you may find it hard to want to move. If someone has pain and fatigue, movement is probably the last thing on your mind. Motivating yourself to move when your body wants to stay in bed is hard. You also may have tried to exercise before. Move a little, and it may increase your pain or your energy crashed after. And now you don't know how to start moving without an increase in pain or crashing, 
or you have fear of anticipation of pain or fatigue. Or you may have enjoyed physical activity, but your brain talks you out of it, finding every excuse not to exercise, or you find yourself constantly pushing and crashing. As I said before, many studies done over decades on fibromyalgia found that physical activity helps with many fibro symptoms, including pain and fatigue, as well as mental benefits to reduce anxiety and depression. The goal for every patient with fibromyalgia is to move at least 30 minutes per day, every day. So future episodes will discuss how to start moving the right way, what works best for patients with fibro and chronic pain. But today, we're talking about motivation. Now, as I told you, I'm no expert on physical activity, but I know how our brain works, and I can coach anyone on that. So how do you find your motivation to add a daily physical activity? So I know my brain, and I find my motivation to do things when I understand why and how things work. When I know the why and how, it makes it easier to want to do something and actually do it. Then I consciously engage in a higher level and design my life, doing things my brain does not want me to do. I do it anyway. And I understandably produce better results when I'm disciplined enough to stay on that course continuously, which is still a work in progress for me. I accept my brain is a human brain, and it needs guidance. So I coach myself to do things I need to do. So let's discuss motivation. Our minds and bodies are amazingly complicated. Our mind determines what we say and do, from simply taking a breath to craving foods to exercising or staying in bed, doing complex tasks at work, and planning a family vacation. Yet, who we are and what we do can be boiled down into a rather primitive premise. We're primarily programmed to survive for as long as possible efficiently and to pass on what we learned and do to the next generation. So we inherited the information from our ancestors that is programmed in our genes and DNA that healthy nutrition and exercise are healthy for us. Most of us know it and agree with it. But why is it so hard to follow? Well, the answer is rather simple. The benefits of good health are long-term and require hard work to achieve. Yet a brain most influential and authoritative section is structured around our survival and is very impulsive, always looking for the easy way out. So why do we prefer junk food over salad? Why do we resist doing that workout? And why do we spend countless hours watching TV or on social media? Well, because the most powerful motivational and emotional drivers reside in the more primitive parts of the brain and guide our existence through the lens of survival and procreation. And they really have only three goals, to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy. To seek out pleasure and have desires, happiness, and comfort leads us to reproduction, but also tasty, comforting foods, social relationships and romance, shopping, wanting acceptance, and recognition by others, and other life pleasures. To avoid pain includes avoiding both physical and mental pain and discomfort, not just immediate, but also anticipated pain and discomfort. 
Typically, this is driven by having fears, anxiety, and doubt. Like fear that this will cause pain, so avoid doing it. Fear and anxiety are evolutionary and are protective. So is avoidance of doing hard and painful things. Next is to conserve energy and seek efficiency. This is when the human brain directs us to do less mentally and physically. Energy comes from food and is used up by activity. Because the food was limited resource millions of years ago, and people did not live with hundreds of pounds of stored excess weight or fat on their bodies, but ate the food they had and conserved the energy from it until the next meal or hunt, the efficiency and conservation of energy is a primitive survival mechanism. It includes conserving physical and mental energy, doing less so the energy lasts longer. So if your brain's motivational triad is to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy, exercise is not part of it. If you don't move enough and are not physically conditioned, exercise will produce some pain and discomfort. Exercise that is not part of your daily activities is an additional energy expenditure that requires planning, as in use of mental energy and resources. And unless you love exercising, it does not provide much pleasure, and likely not as fun as watching TV or eating a tasty meal. So no wonder most of us do not want to exercise. It goes against our pre-programmed primitive brain function in nature. So stop judging yourself and beating yourself up for not wanting to add physical activity to your busy day, especially if you have pain or you're tired because your primitive brain is doing its job focusing on your survival. But ask yourself another question. Do you want to live in a survival mode, answering to the primitive brain as if you still live in, in caveman's time? Because your higher functioning brain, the cortex, can step in, step up, and override the lower brain if you set your mind to it. So just like the podcast title, Mind Your Fiber, you can mind your fiber, pain, nutrition, physical activity, and life goals. And you do not have to survive your life, but actually enjoy living it. By bringing awareness to your mind, your nervous system, your primitive and advanced brains, your thoughts, beliefs, and understanding your motivation, you can create the life you want to live little by little, even with pain, even with brain fog and fatigue. But it will need your intentional and conscious input, the recognition that your primitive brain wants you to do nothing, so you avoid pain save your energy, and maybe gain a little bit of pleasure. Regulating your nervous system, eating well, and moving more are all intentional acts, and only you, not your doctors or family members or government, can do it for you. Learn to recognize that your brain directs you to do less and find your way to do things anyway. Let's go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best thing you can do is to share with someone and leave a review and rating. This helps me support more people just like you move toward better life with fibromyalgia. All you have to do is to go to the platform you're listening on, click the share button or the icon, and just send it to a friend. I so appreciate you taking your time to do so. Make sure you sign up or subscribe to this podcast so you can get the most up-to-date information in the new episodes. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you next week. And don't forget to mind your fibro.
Disclaimer, this podcast provides information only and does not provide any medical or psychological services or advice. None of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any medical or mental condition.